0: taking the time to make a fantasy self-evaluation. We'll talk with WFSA Baseball Writer of the Year nominee Nicholas Gott about that, plus starting pitchers who might be limited in the final weeks of the season. And a major breaking news scoop by Ruvain about Jacob deGrum. You'll want to listen to that later in his injury report. A jam-packed show tonight, Beat the Shift, is next. Welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift Podcast. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always is Reuven Guy. What's up, Reuven?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. Did you play on any uh, cornfields lately?
1: No, but I may have some corn for my next barbecue. Build it, and they will come. Yeah, well, they, they built it, and there are not that many people there, so I don't know what they were saying. I mean, the crowd is kind of small there.
0: Thousand bucks plus yeah. a ticket there, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool the way that everybody come from the cornfields. Um, I, I like the the pregame with with Costner and narrating and everything. Uh, you know that movie. I, I I love that movie. I don't know about you, but that, that always give give me chills. That movie.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of the best movies of all time, and and James Earl Jones in that movie was amazing. He was a perfect choice for it. He has a perfect voice for it. He's just amazing in the movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, James Earl Jones has been in a couple of important uh, baseball movies. So has Kevin Costner. So both of them in the same one in just, uh, just a baseball town in Iowa in the middle of nowhere. Guys playing uh, ball. Uh, what, what could be better? Um, hey, we got a special guest uh, on the show today. He was uh, nominated this past year for FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year. He writes for Rotographs and Rotoballer, just like us folks over here. Welcome to the show, Nicholas
2: Gott. How are you? gentlemen what's going on thank you so much for having me
0: our pleasure for having you and have you played on a cornfield lately
2: uh i have not played on a cornfield lately uh love the movie uh like most uh normal people although i must say with uh with the the game being on there's been a lot of twitter jockeying going on lately there's more people that i realize that do not care for that movie i uh i I don't know why. I, I get that it's corny, and that's not just a play on words, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a kind of corny baseball movie. But uh, like you were saying, like some, some prime James Earl Jones, some, uh, some, some decent Costner, and old-timey baseball players and old-timey uniforms. Uh, I, I don't know what you could not like.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is about that movie is there's no love story. There's no car crash, and and I'm I'm taking the words of Kevin Costner. There's no car crash. There's no somebody overcoming something to become somebody. There's no. Uh, um, it's not somebody of coming of age. It's not any of the traditional movies, right? There, there's no, there's no. Uh, somebody's hurt. There's no. Uh, uh, somebody goes and finds something. It's not a mystery exactly. It's just when it all boil, it all boils down to hey, let's just play catch, um and. You know it it boils down to that message of you know this game is special, and this game connects us all from father to son um and i i i am not I don't know what those people on Twitter are thinking, but i I love that plain and simple plot uh, you don't really need anything extraordinary to have a feeling, you know
1: and if you like that movie, you'd also like the movie Eight Man Out that's a story about the white sox that were banned for for cheating in the nineteen nineteen World Series. Yeah, that was a really good movie too great Sounds movie,
2: good. agreed, yeah.
0: Well, in our strategy section tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about self-evaluation. Nick likes to talk about this and think about it himself. And, you know, uh, when you get down to this time of year, we're talking six weeks, seven weeks left in the season. It's time to really take a nice self-evaluation on the players on your team, on the standing. Uh, Tell me, Nick, how do you conduct this self-evaluation yourself? And, you know, what, what does it get you in terms of action points to do?
2: Well, I, I think it's kind of, you know, two different, you're you're doing, or at least I am doing two different things. It's like, for one, you're evaluating where, where you actually are in the standings. Like what is realistic for like where you can make moves and in what categories like, it's, it's silly to, you know, you can't just be all, uh, sunshine and rainbows looking and say, you know what, I can, I can move my ERA from, you know, I can shave a, a run off my ERA and move up 10 spots and I'll get points there and points over here like really look each category be like okay realistically I can I I can I can make up four places in stolen bases I can make some moves in average I'm probably not going anywhere in ERA and whip you know etc just being honest with yourself there about where because that kind of directs you know remaining strategy for the year if if you can't if you know looking back you know looking at pitching if If you know already that you're not, you're not going to be able to make some moves in the ratios on ERA and WIP. And, uh, but you know, you can make, you can, if you, once you really understand and be like, okay, best I can do is move up a spot or two there. But if I I just forget about those and really direct my resources, choose my starts based off of, all right, I'm not going to stress about the ratios, but I can make some moves in the counting stats. So just, you know, being honest about how much you can move up, and that kind of directs your strategy the rest of the way. And then that also just kind of guides you on the other area on evaluation, which is your players, which, it you know, really understanding, uh, not understanding, but at least having a handle on where your guys are at now, but also what they're going to do for the next six weeks. And some of, you know, some categories you can, you know, you're, you're, you're you're at the mercy of, you know, at, at the mercy of their team and their situation, like on, on runs and RBI and, uh, you know, stolen bases, more opportunities and team philosophy. But on batting average for for hitters, for example, I want to I wanna look at my hitters. And if I'm trying to make a move on average or think I can make up some ground, uh, you know, even if you are someone that's opposed to looking at uh, more advanced stats and you just want to look at batting average or whatever, like, still take, take a look at their batting average and their uh, expected batting average and, you know, Babip 2, and just get, get a realistic view of, all right, uh, this batter may have a 300 average now, but. It really looks like there's some, at least a little regression coming. Like you can't predict everything, but you can at least get a handle on these things and see where your players are at.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I get asked quite a bit. Uh, people, you know, message me on Twitter or email or whatever. And, and they say, uh, hey, should I trade this guy for this guy? And, you know, in the beginning of the season, when the standings are not yet done and your roster is going to be in fluid and going to change over the year, um, maybe there's an answer in a vacuum. Um, at this time of year, there really isn't because, you know, hey, how about our old friend Chris Archer? Chris Archer, you know, the past couple of years, somebody who strikes out a lot of batters, but give up a lot of runs, bad ERA. Um, you can use a Chris Archer if he's to start, If you need the strikeouts and if you may need the wins and if you have some ratios to give up or if you're nowhere near catching anybody in the standings, if you're in bottom in in ERA, but you're really, really tight in the strikeouts, there's a reason to play that type. Whereas if you're in a situation where, oh, my goodness, we can't drop ERA and whip, you have to make sure you don't give any – you don't put anybody up to start that – falls into the risky category, somebody who can potentially blow up your ERA. So uh, if the self-evaluation is very important to see where the large gradients are in each category, and it's not just about gaining, it's also about losing, which categories are you at most risk, uh, at most, uh, uh, which categories are you at risk the most to lose points? Uh, So that's something that you really need to check yourself. Uh, Ruvain, anything to add?
1: Yeah, you guys are talking about if you're actually still in the race but a lot of people are out of the race already and your teams are not doing that well so this is a good time also to self-evaluate what went wrong? What went right? What didn't go right? Was it because of luck, injury? Where you, did you have too many injury prone players on your team? Were you hit with co- too many COVID players? Did you lose too many innings because and starts due to weather? Was it poor drafting? Was it poor fair results that you didn't get the player you wanted or you don't have enough money for it? You know, you have, this is the time you're supposed to be honest with with yourself. You have to do it for both good teams and bad teams. So for your bad teams, obviously, if you're not doing well, this is the perfect time to self-evaluate and you say, you know what? This is where I went wrong. This is how I can fix it for for the future. What you guys are talking about is perfect also for current teams that are doing well, but you have to look at it from both sides of the coin.
0: You know, and for everybody, um, sometimes you get players who come up late or who get hot late in the end of August and September that all of a sudden have a great year the following year. For anybody, if you're in it or not, don't just say, well, I'm out of it, I'm just not going to pay attention. Now's the time to pay attention to who's hot. Because very, very often, you get an undervalued guy who had a great September and goes off Maybe it's somebody who finally corrected his swing. Maybe it's somebody who pitched, uh, who fixed his pitching mechanics. Now's the time to look for somebody who ends the season strong. That's something that can help you in the future. It's not always about this year. It's a process. You may not win this year, but maybe you'll win next year. It's a long-term game at uh, some point. Um, anything else uh, to add, uh, Nick?
2: No, that's that's a really good uh, point by Ruvane, uh is, you know, even if you are, you know, you know, quote unquote out of it right now, don't get because you just you get too far away from it. Like, say you're, you know, out of it right now and you, you stop paying attention, you don't do this self evaluation, see where you went wrong and kind of really, you know, you your draft isn't fresh in your mind, but your team is fresh in your mind and kind of where things have went wrong and what went right and all those things that Ruvain mentioned about what may have went went wrong are kind of fresh in your memory if you just kind of check out now and don't don't evaluate and say i'll 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 wait until the off season like that's november that's you know that's th- that's three months away and you you kind of you just uh you're not going to get a good of process check whenever you just kind of put things in the bag and don't pay attention and then go back and you know when you get more distance and it, it kind of turns more into you start rather than finding faults in your process you you know it's easier to chalk things up to uh just you know lots of injuries or bad luck or my draft my draft was fine everything was fine i just happened to get 12th place like this is a you know this is a good time to but before it's out of sight out of mind uh check in and see where things went wrong
1: and you can also try you also can try different strategies if you want if you're out of it and you never really threw middle relievers in before, and see how it affects your your um your stats like ERA and WHIP. Try it. See well, you have nothing to lose anyway. So see how it helps, and maybe you can learn from it and, and build on it for next year.
0: That's a wonderful point, and you know it's very similar to what we said last week, where you can gain an ERA and WHIP, but not just by performing well, by other's teams fading. So if you hold the course, if you throw in more middle relievers. You might actually be able to gain points even if your ERA still tanks because others might tank more. So that's a great thing to try uh, and to see what happens to the ratios. You know, just self-evaluate. If you're out of it, um, play the game to learn. In the last week, it, it's it's about a learning process. Everything you do in this game is going to help you. Even you know, even if and Ian Kahn says this, you know, if if you win you still want to get better. If you're not changing anything you're going to do, if you're not learning in the course of what you're doing, you're not going to get better. And certainly, if you don't uh, finish in first, there's always room to improve. So, you know, definitely stay the course. I want to talk, as the season winds down, um, in terms of value of players and in terms of maybe a last-minute trade if your league allows it, but Starting pitchers, you're going to get into the period where they're going to be shut down, some of them. Maybe they're on a really bad team. Uh, Maybe they have an injury and they're going to be shut down. Maybe they're a rookie who might have a supposed innings limit. Remember, especially off of the COVID year last year, we don't know what teams are going to do in terms of innings caps. They might have already predetermined that 160 and that's it. So it's good to talk a little bit about starting pitchers who could be limited as you might have to find replacements. Luckily, Nick has written a nice article on Rotographs talking about starting pitchers who could be limited, and I want to go through a couple of them to talk about why you think that this this person is going to be limited and uh, what you might do as an action point in your league. Uh, But before we do that, it's time now for the Injury Guru's Trivia of the Week.
1: So now we're going to be talking about a lot of pitchers that may be shut down for many, for myriad of reasons, just like Ariel just mentioned. So far, up until this date of the taping of this episode, there have been 23 pitchers who have thrown over 130 innings so far this year. How many pitchers have thrown over 140 innings so far this year, and who are they?
0: No looking here. No looking. I'm going to go with Lance Lynn.
1: Lance Lynn is not on the list. No, one forty or more so far.
0: Nick, you got a guess?
2: Uh, well, I know one of them. Uh, St. Louis's own Adam Wainwright.
1: Yes, Adam Wainwright is wow. ranked third in innings pitched so far with one forty-eight.
0: I'm gonna say Zach Wheeler. I, I I know he's been great.
1: Zach Wheeler, number one most innings pitched so far, one fifty-six.
0: Yeah, your turn. We
1: also have a member of the Dodgers, Walker Buehler, 147 innings. Two names you wouldn't think that would be on the list, Sandy Alcantara, 143 innings, Merrill Kelly, 142 Mm -hmm. innings, and Chris Bassett, one of the pitchers we're going to be talking about. He he pitched today. He pitched wonderfully today. Um, He's had 150 innings pitched so far, so he's the second most in the majors so far. So the question is, there was no season last year, or a very shortened season last year, and a lot of pitchers didn't get these innings like they normally do, how much farther they can go before they, I hope not, but start breaking down or get pulled back? That's the question.
0: Yeah, the top uh, pitchers are going to be have pitched already 23, 24 starts, roughly that. Uh, but, you know, since you mentioned Chris Bassett, he's on your list of guys who might be limited or shut down. Um, can you explain that? Because I, I, I don't really see it. Chris Bassett usually goes seven innings. He had a great six inning pitch today three hits, no runs, two walks. Might have gone more, but they were the A's were trouncing Cleveland seventeen nothing. So you know, might as well save them up for this game. Uh, why do you feel Chris Bassett is somebody who's going to be limited, and what would you do is a uh, uh, an actionable point for him? Uh,
2: so I actually do not think he's going to be limited. So the kind of the okay. um, so the the jump kind of the uh, jump off for this article was I looked at. Uh, every pitcher that was on pace, given ten or eleven more starts, to exceed his previous innings total max by twenty uh, percent or more. And uh, this this is this was before Bassett's last start, but he was with ten more starts at his current pace and current average uh, innings pitched per start. He was on pace to exceed his previous max by twenty nine percent, thirty percent. So that's that's that was kind of my jumping off point just to see who you know who coming you know like Ruvein mentioned coming off this there was a lot of talk about innings limit who could be who could be limited after you know only sixty games last year and so that that was that was the impetus for it but Bassett I I, I was worried about a lot of guys on these on this list uh, particularly younger guys Bassett I, I'm not worried about. Uh, for one, he had, while he is on pace to exceed his previous max by a decent amount, he has, he's, he's reached uh, a large amount of innings before. He's not, uh, he's not a young buck. He's, I think his previous max was with minor leagues and major leagues combined was around 155 innings. So, I uh, not too worried about that. And the other thing is, you know, you mentioned it, like he keeps going deep. Like they, uh, I really liked him from last year. He was on a lot of my teams last year. Didn't get nearly as much exposure as I wanted to this year, but the the rest of the world is kind of waking up to Chris Bass is just a really good pitcher. And you said it, he goes deep. He's gone seven innings and in three out of his past five starts. Oakland has shown no, uh, no look to like want to limit him and really as tight as they are in the race. And they, they, they can't limit they can't afford to limit him like he is he is their ace they they need him to go out and keep pitching uh 6 and 7 innings every turn
1: moving yeah, I, I agree. He's thirty-three years old. He's not going to be held back by going to these younger guys. The A's are in it. They're going to they're going to push him as much as he can. in tw- In twenty twenty last year, he pitched sixty-three innings, but he also pitched another ten innings in the playoffs. In two thousand nineteen, he had one hundred and forty-four innings in the majors. So the fact that he's at one hundred and fifty now, it's not. Hard to believe that he's not going to be able to do any further. The problem is, is that if the A's do go deep in the playoffs, then you may see not that they'll hold him back, but maybe a slight deterioration because you're going into uncharted territories for him, especially at an, an older age. So that's the only thing that I have concerned about. Plus, he's not a hard thrower, so he's not one of the guys that's throwing ninety nine, one hundred like like Jacob Degrom does all the time. So it's not as much stress on him. And plus, a lot of the innings that he's had have been really low stress innings, and that's also very important.
0: So um, the one of the only pitchers who have more wins than Chris Bassett, I believe he won his twelfth game this year. Uh, this, uh, today uh, is uh, Julio Urias, uh, who I believe leads the majors in wins um, to date. Before this uh, year, his max innings pitched in his career, fifty five innings. Uh, Urias four out of his last five starts have been five inning pitched only. So I'm not sure what they're going to do with Urias, but it does look like they're not pitching him deep into games, maybe saving him for the playoffs. I'm not sure what they're going to do. What What is your take on uh, what the Dodgers doing with Julio Urias?
2: Yeah, so with Urias, another, like, I no doubt on the talent. Like, he he's a great pitcher. I think he's going to continue being a great pitcher. But from uh, the fantasy perspective, you said, it, like, he's, he's leading the majors in wins. He has 13 wins. And looking at his total fantasy value, he gets a disproportionate amount of his value from wins first and foremost and followed by strikeouts and is not giving you a lot from ERA. You know, he has a three, four, one ERA, Uh, very good. But in this year, like that is not great and uh, not giving you a lot on whip either. So he, he is someone whose fantasy value will be really, you know, that's what I was writing, more affected than others if he gets, whether it's getting starts skipped or whether he is just coming out earlier or the Dodgers once, you know, presumably they have all these starters healthy uh, or if they start piggybacking him or just, you know, we're trying, we're not going to limit him by skipping starts. We're going to limit him by letting him pitch three or four innings for a couple of turns. That is going to hurt him more than it would others just because he's getting all of his fantasy value from wins and then strikeouts. So if he is not eligible to get a win there's already that and then you know even if the strikeout stays steady like less innings you're just going to get fewer of them so he's just like i don't doubt the talent at all but if if he starts getting limited whether skipped in the turn or getting pulled early like you mentioned he you know he hasn't three you know his last three starts he hasn't completed six innings uh you know still still he picked up one win in that time but I don't know what their exact plan is, but there has to be some sort of plan because, you know, you mentioned his previous max is 55 innings in the majors. The most he's ever pitched in one year, year, minors and majors combined, is 81 innings. And he's currently at 135 innings. And the Dodgers, they, they, they don't just need him for the next six weeks like we need him for fantasy. They need him in October, too. So he's already blowing past his max, is going to blow past his max more, and they want him there in the playoffs. So so, something has to give.
0: Yeah, we saw them do that last year um, where he uh, was the piggyback or he did the piggybacking. Um, I can definitely see that doing. Uh, But, you know, the Dodgers do need innings. Um, Obviously, they they traded for Scherzer. We don't know the story with Kershaw. Uh, So things are a little bit iffy in their land. But, you know, an, an action point I mean, if you have him on your roster and there's no trading involved, you're not going to sit him. He's still quality for what he pitches. If you do somehow have the opportunity to trade, I mean, you know, Marco Gonzalez goes deep into games. He gets a lot of decisions. He pitched nine innings uh, today. Um, I certainly wouldn't trade Urias straight up for Marco Gonzalez, but it's possible that you might want to think about having him in a package for somebody like that who has a bigger chance for wins if it's a category that you need. And maybe you can get, uh, you know, here's Urias and get Gonzalez and a hitter, you know, and, and you can get overall value in total um, knowing that, hey, Urias, don't count on him for wins. And if that's a category that you really need, don't count on him. Uh, for and, re-
1: and you have to remember, in 2018, he missed a big chunk of the season because of a shoulder injury. So you that you have to have that in the back of your mind. He is 24 years old, so they may not want to push him that much. And by the way, that year he only pitched 55 innings. He also pitched 23 innings in the postseason that year. So total is only like 78. So it's not as bad as, as you're making it out, because that, that is a significant increase. Chill, chill. But still, I think he will end up getting piggybacked. They can, if if more pitchers come back healthy, they may end up piggybacking him with, with David Price and do something like that, just like they did with Ross Stripling a couple of years ago.
0: Casey Mize um he's somebody that you bring up in your article uh, I, I kind of agree he, he's now not really making it past the fourth inning uh in games uh Tigers have been actually hitting very well so if he did go five six seven innings good chances for wins but he's not really doing that what is your uh diagnosis prognosis of what Casey Mize is for the rest of the season
2: uh, he is, uh, the Tigers have at least been, like, they haven't come out directly and said, this is our plan for Mize, but they, they've they acknowledged since, you know, uh, early July, they're like, yeah, it's, he's going to start being limited one way or the other, and you, you look at his game logs, and you can really see it, since July, he has seven starts, and uh, five innings one, seven innings for another, and all the rest are in the three and four innings pitch reigns so that is, you know, and he's not a high, high enough strikeout guy that like those, he's getting a whole pile of K's for you in those limited innings. And, you know, the, the ERA has started to come back up. He's really three, you know, three out of his past four starts, he's allowed at least three earned runs. And like I said, not going deep yet, you know, he has one really good start against Baltimore a couple turns ago but it is uh tigers have told us they're going to limit him they're showing us that they are limiting by pulling him early and his performance is suffering so you know i i i wrote in the article that there's still there's still some there's still a little fantasy steam left there but it's going to be very you're really going to have to pick your spots like he's not a guy that you know i i he's on an he on a number of my teams and i've 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 used him quite a bit. Not, you know, just made him into a streamer and thrown him back. I've, I've, i I've, I've held him, and just been benching him a little bit. But now he's to the point where, you know, it's you need you need a bench spot. You know, you can go ahead and ship him out.
1: Ruven, anything to add? Yeah, yeah. I, I tend to agree. If, if they want to, first of all, the Tigers are not in it. And if they want to cap him, let's say they want to cap him at one fifty. If they want to do that, if he averages, if he averages five innings a start, that's only another six starts for the rest of the season. Most pitchers, if you go the rest of the way, you're talking about maybe ten or maybe nine, nine or ten starts the rest of the year. So if that's the case, and he go, and he, if he go, goes five innings, you know you're not going to get the, he's you're not going to get that much value out of him at this point. So I think he will get shut down by mid September. I can see with at least two weeks left in the season, and the Tigers obviously not in it, that they're just going to shut him down and say that's it. And you you, you've done your job. You got your you got your education here in the majors, and we'll move on to next year.
0: Yeah, the possibility for shutdown is real. So yeah, Mize's value could be up really really soon. What about uh, Alec Manoa? Uh, What a season he's having! Two five nine ERA, one o two WHIP. Although he has been somewhat lucky, his uh, BABIP is two twenty six. His uh, left on base percentage, 84%, uh, which is kind of high uh, for compared to league average, but yeah, he's even pretty good. Uh, his uh, exit is 386, which is very decent, but not as good as the 259 uh, ERA that I reported earlier here. Um, Manoa, though, in terms of being shut down, I, I don't think so. I think that the Blue Jays are. In it. Uh, he has not pitched all that many innings. He has 59 major league innings this year and 18 minor league innings, so he's not completely overloaded. I think Manoa just stays the course with some regression. Do you agree, Nick?
2: I I do agree with the exception of if Tor- I don't think Toronto's going to fall out of things anytime soon but if they were to Oh yeah I could yes. see I could see them pull the reins in a hurry but right, right now like you know like I wrote in the article I don't it's it's real hard for for even if you think you could, you should shut them down for them to actually do it considering the excitement about the team where the team is at in the standings like that would just kind of be a, a stomach punch i think like yeah we we traded for barrios but now we're going to uh shut down our our superstar rookie who is just like you said he, he's 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 gotten a little bit lucky but man he has been he has been much better sooner than i thought he was going to be so I, I, There could be some aggression coming just on general performance, and maybe they skip him a turn here or there. But I, I, I find it hard to believe they can really slam the brakes on him with what they're doing as a team.
1: Sure. Ruvane, agree? Well, if he pitched for the Washington Nationals, they would shut him down like they shut down Steven Strasburg. I'll tell yeah. you that. But he doesn't. He's pitching for a team that's trying to make the playoffs. He's If he, if he starts another— you know, another 8 to 10 games and of only 5 innings, You those innings are still going to be quality innings, um, and he's not going to get that much higher than his career high in, in innings. I'm not overly concerned about it. What I am concerned is that early in the season, he did have a back injury, and the more innings he pitched, the more stress he puts on it. That's a possibility that, that can flare up, so they're going to have to monitor that and just make sure they don't push him too hard, because he is their prize prospect. He was their prize prospect, prize pitching prospect, and they got to save him, because they're the, the, the Blue Jays are going to be good in the future, and they don't want break down.
0: I mean certainly, if they're still in the playoff hunt, they're not shutting him down uh if they somehow get eliminated uh it's possible that uh, that he'll miss a start or two i mean it's you know it'll be far along they're not gonna be eliminated that quickly, so we're talking like one or two starts at the most, I think. Um, you know he he's just that good, and you know what? It's all uh, to me, and I don't know if this is this is really true, but um, you know the the Blue Jays have not played in Toronto for that long. It's not like there's been a whole season of fans to see them. Maybe they say, listen, we want to have our fan base actually take a look at him pitch at home. So maybe that is another reason to keep him uh, a little bit longer up in the majors without shutting him down. Um. Let's take a look at one more guy. Um, not in your article, but I think it's a candidate Trevor Rogers. What an amazing season he's having for the Marlins. Marlins will probably be out of it really quickly. Question is, will he be shut down? Let's go to you, Ruvain, first. What are your thoughts on Rogers' rest of the season?
1: Well, Rogers right now, he was on the IL for a back injury, and now he's on a family medical leave, so he's had a big break in pitching right now. So even if he does come back from this, uh, from what he's going through now, I think he may even need, if he if, he, if he's out for even longer, for like another week or two, he may even need to go down to the minors and do a rehab start, and that counts as innings also. But those don't count as fantasy innings. That's the problem. So the question is, is he healthy? Is he 100% healthy back from that back injury that they put him on the IL for? Secondly... I think they will max him out, and if they can, up to between 140 and 150 innings, and that's it. I don't think they push him anymore. Um, I think they have another big prospect coming up in 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 I think Meyer, um, their other big prospect who who they drafted a couple of years ago with the number one pick. I think both well, he's they don't want same reason why they're not going to push him. They want him to be healthy. They want to pair him up with his other, with, with Meyer and make sure that they are good together and they build up. A, a a a reputation. They want a reputation in the majors right now, but they don't want a reputation of them breaking down. And right now, they don't have that. They're not in it. The Marlins have nothing to win right now. And you know what? Why push him? There's no reason to push him.
0: Well, he's been great. 2.45 ERA. Now, uh here's an interesting stat thing. Uh FIP of 2.62, two, which matches, but his ex-FIP is 3.56. Wondering, do you guys know why why that's so? Uh, what what would make an x fip much larger than a fip? Anybody can guess?
2: Uh, his home runs probably. Yes, yes. So uh, the
0: the fip is calculated with his home runs, but what x fip does, and the big difference between x fip and fip for all you stat nerds out there, is it assumes a league average homer to fly ball rate. That means that he's been quite lucky with the home runs. His homer to fly ball rate this year has been five percent which is sort of lucky. XFIP takes the luck out of that and gives the uh, league average. Obviously, some pitchers do control homers a bit more than others, but the 5% is is pretty lucky. I mean, no pitcher can control it that much.
2: Uh, but anyways, I,
0: I diverged there. <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> on Rogers, Nick?
2: No I'm always here for uh, X uh FIP Sierra talk so don't, don't, don't worry about that uh, on Rogers no I, I agree with the like I think that you know the 140 150 range you know if it, you set the over under at 150 I'd probably take the under by a little bit but the Marlins Marlins don't have any reason besides development to push him on anything so i think they want i think it's more about them just building him up like to get the innings under his belt than it is you know innings necessarily and at the majors. so yeah if they send him down he might need a rehab starter too and that cuts into his his fantasy starts even more so i uh yeah i i think he'll reach 140 150 he's been just He's been phenomenal. I mean, you you said the numbers already. He's been terrific. The Marlins know he's going to be terrific, and they need him to be there. So, uh, you know, I mean, as bad as they are, like there's there's just no reason to handle him with anything but just kind of uh, kid gloves and just keep you know keep it moving.
0: Yeah, ATC was high on him going to the season, and that was confirmed uh, when we had Anthony Bass on the show before the season, and he said. The can't miss guy on the team is Trevor Rogers, our fifth starter. So that just gave the uh, two thumbs up, and of course, that was completely right uh, for him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some some more people who are fading, and you know, as as the season wears on. Um, you know, there are people who had succeeded this year, um, but, you know, we don't think that they're going to be as good going f- going forward, either regression or whatever. Um, so let's all go through, uh, maybe everyone give both a hitter and a pitcher that they think we should be fading in our values in the final month. Let's start with hitters. Let's go around the horn. Let's start with you, Nick. Who is a hitter that you think uh, will regress? Who will fade in the final weeks?
2: So at risk of getting on Alex Chamberlain's uh, hit list, I am going to say Nelson Cruz is the guy I'm going to be fading. And he'll probably prove me wrong by, you know, hitting 10 home runs in his next 10 games or something crazy like that. But he is like, he's, you know, he's still giving you some power. That's fine. But he has had, you know, the average has been tanking lately and, you know, second, you know, in the, 92 plate appearance in the second half, not including tonight. He's got a 183 batting average. He's got a 282 WOBA, uh, 665 OPS. Uh, not terrific. He's also, you know, uh, I I don't trust. This is, this is just a general fantasy rule of mine. I don't trust anyone on the Tampa Bay Rays. I, I always assumed that management is out to uh, screw fantasy players, even though they obviously aren't. But, uh, you know, he so he's got he doesn't have splits problems so much that he's going to ever be sat obviously he's going to play but he's cruise he's been much better against left-handers than he has against right-handers this year he's got a you know an 85 point difference in his ops a 40 point difference in his woba and you know he has been feasting on some excellent uh and by excellent i mean terrible AL Central pitching for a few years now, and now he is in the AL East, which he gets a lot of park upgrades, obviously, uh, not at home, but he's going to have to face a lot uh, better pitchers, and just his recent results have not been great, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff, but at some point we have to fade the 41-year-old Uh, power hitter like i'm 41 i know (laughs) nelson cruz obviously a much better 41 than i am but uh i know his body's barking at him somewhere
0: is is nelson cruz a hall of famer in your mind
2: i mean i without like looking at the numbers i would say no just because you know it's not a late start but like a late start on, like, this insane power. Like, I I don't know what his career war is. But, you know, first blush, I I would say no.
0: What do you think,
1: Ruby? No, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He's not at the 500 home run plateau yet. He only has 440 for his career. His career war is 41.2, which is... Okay, is it Hall of Fame good? Yeah. Uh, borderline. Um, his career batting average is 278. I, I I don't I don't see him as a as a Hall of Famer. He's had a very a lot of very good seasons. He's I'd say he's borderline, but I wouldn't I would put him below the border as to anything. I wouldn't put him in the Hall of Fame.
0: Is Joey Votto a Hall of Famer? Yes. Votto has 320 homers, obviously a much higher average, 303 average. But.
1: High, higher average, and and also what plays against Nelson Cruz is that he's just a DH. It's right. harder for DHs to get into the Hall of Fame in general, while Joey Votto in his prime was a very—and and he's still a very good first baseman, so that plays into it also.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Edgar Martinez, only 309 homers. Uh, did have a three twelve career batting average. I don't know. I the the peak of Nelson Cruz was really really hot, and that peak lasted a while. I mean, from 2014 all the way through uh, 2020, he hit 260 homers with a two eighty six average, and that's only uh, seven seasons, including the uh, the uh, COVID shortened season. That it's a pretty long peak, and that's the bulk. Well, the bulk of of a decade. I think he's close. Um, he'll probably not make it. He'll probably miss it. But uh, I think he's pretty close. I, I don't know. I, I I I'm a fan of Nelson Cruz's, and uh, uh, you know he had a lot of injuries earlier in his season that you know cut uh, you know 200 at of bats off of the season. He could have had 40 home runs all the way up there, and. I mean, what's the difference between five hundred and four forty? Is 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 sixty homers? Uh, you know, three seasons that he didn't get hurt in, and and he's there. Uh, I don't know. I actually, I,
1: I actually have a good, I have a good comp for him. How about Carlos Delgado? He finished with four seventy three homers, a two eighty average, and a four forty four WAR. He's not in the Hall of Fame, and right now, the Nelson Cruz isn't at that level yet. So if Delgado's not in the Hall, then Nelson Cruz is not in the Hall.
0: That's a great, great comp. Yeah, we, a good comp. Uh, yeah. All right, well, I guess we, we agree, or at least uh, it's close, but uh, he looks like he falls just short. But uh, as far as the rest of the season, I don't know. I think uh, extraordinary guys do extraordinary things, and sure, the batting average will go down, but I think the power remains. Um. All right, Ruvane, you have a, a fade for the final month?
1: Yes, for a hitter, I have Brandon Crawford. He's 34 years old so far. 290, 18 homers, 67 RBIs, non- nine stolen bases, 56 runs, which is great. But he's a career two fifty-two hitter. His BABIP is 25 points over his career level, and he was on the injured list with an oblique issue. He was out for he was out for a while. He and the, since the oh, coming back from the oblique issue, he hasn't hit a home run. He hasn't hit a home run since July 10th. That's a little bit concerning because that's I mean think about it. If he hasn't hit a home run since July 10th, that means he had 18 home runs before then it's a little bit concerning. He's playing a lot of games. I know he always plays a lot of games, but because of his age and because of the division he's in, he's going to be playing the Dodgers some more. I'm a little bit concerned about him.
0: Totally agree. Regression hit him right in the face.
1: You agree, Nick?
2: Yeah, I do. Regression guy. And also, also the, the injury uh, is, is, you know, I don't, I don't trust guys for a while after they come off of injury. And yeah, he's dealing with some regression. You know, he's been, he's, He's hitting still. Like I mean, he has, you know, six multi hit games in August so far. Uh but uh, like Rubain said, he's got he hit a hit a home run yesterday and that was his first home run since before the All Star break. Like the power has been sapped.
0: Yeah. Um I'll give you two quick guys. Uh one, Adelise Garcia. I mean, he's really faded very fast and Certainly, if you had him on your roster, the trade window's probably squashed on that. Uh, I waited too long in Tatworth to trade him. I still have him, although he's been a little hot this past week. But since uh, July 7th, he's batting a mere 172 with a 241 on-base percentage. The guy doesn't walk. The guy strikes out a lot. Um, That's a fade. But how about I'm going to go with Francisco Lindor? I have no idea why people still value him so high. He's batting average on the year 228, 11 homers. And he's, uh, he's hurt right now. He's not even playing. Um, I mean, who has better numbers, uh, Francisco Lindor or Jose Iglesias on the Angels? I mean, uh, Iglesias has eight homers on the year with the two seventy two batting average. Lindor, 11 with .228. Uh, I mean, you know, I'd rather the, the true short and steady Jose Iglesias uh, over Lindor. Like, if I ask you straight up, rest of season, are you taking Iglesias or Lindor? I think it's kind of close, is what I'm telling you here. Do you guys agree, or am I just uh, too pessimistic on Lindor?
2: It's close enough. Like, I mean, you're you're speaking my language on on being down on Lindor. I've 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 been down on him for a while because the power hasn't been there for quite a while, and he doesn't hasn't run for quite a while. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I I mean, I guess in a vacuum, I would take Lindor, but Iglesias is. You know he's a he's a nice solid piece, and compared to what you have gotten or expecting to get from Lindor, like you have to you have to kind of make up a little rainbow positivity to find like positive things going forward with Lindor compared to what we've seen over the you know the past season and a half.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. You both you both sound like Mets fans. That's that's crazy (laughs) because being so pessimistic about Lindor, no one you know he got off to a slow start. He has. So oblique injury. He was actually the only healthy Met in the, from the starting lineup from opening day for for a really long time. So the fact that he got through this far without getting hurt and being on the Mets, that's pretty good. But his stats just don't hold up. I mean, if you if you were still playing him, I mean, if you were still active and not on the injury list, a lot of people would have benched him by now. I know a lot of people started benching him because you weren't getting the power, you weren't getting the stolen bases, you're not getting the average. What do you have him for? Yes, he's, he's, you've got, a, you got him high up in the draft, but at this point, he, his value is so minimal. And you know what? It, if he comes back, right now he just started fielding grounders. He started doing some batting practice. He hasn't done any rehab games yet. What are you gonna? If you drop him, who's going to pick him up? Think about that. If you drop him, who's going to pick him up? And how much are you going to get out of him? Maybe two weeks out of him? Maybe three yeah. weeks out of him? And you're going to get a 220 batting average with maybe two or three home runs? You can get that on the waiver wire, can't you?
0: Yeah, especially there. You know, I remember before the season started and people were taking Lindor at the 1-2 turn, pick 15, 16, and I'm like, what? And he's I had him ranked length. like, yeah, I had him <laughs> ranked like ninth in terms of my ninth best shortstop. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? Can anybody guess what number uh, in Roto ranked shortstop he is? Anyone want to guess?
1: Uh, I, well, he's on the Mets, so it's probably going to be like, in, in the majors, I'd say he's probably Roto. 24th.
0: 24th, he's worse. Any guess? Any guess for you, Nick? 31. He's 27th. Jose, Jose Iglesias, the 25th. So uh, you would have been better off with Jose Iglesias for the entire season than Lindor. Uh, have an Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario in, in uh, Roto is worth almost $8. Lindor is worth two. So you were better off with Rosario than Lindor. <laughs> so, are the, so are the Mets. Uh, and the Mets have 10 more years and $341 yeah. million dollars yeah. left. Yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, uh, you can tell I don't didn't like that signing. Uh, I did like the trade. I just didn't like the signing. You didn't have to extend him at that price. Uh, all right, how about a pitcher who you're fading? Let's go Ruvane first.
1: Okay, I'm again. I, I am a Met fan, but I'm going to use Taiwan Walker. Okay, he's already in the fade. If if you haven't noticed already, he's. He's, on, he's actually on pace for 180 innings, which he's never done before, which is crazy because he's pitched so many innings. Um, he's most was 170 back in 2015. But since May 29th, his ERA—well, on May 29th, I'm sorry. On May 29th, his ERA is 1.84. It is currently 3.89. That's two full runs up already. Um, his career ERA is 3.84, so, you know, it's about average where he is. But look who the Mets are playing down the stretch. They have— Six games with the Giants, six games with the Dodgers, a series with the Yankees, Phillies, Boston, Milwaukee. How many times are you going to be pitching him and how many times are you going to be sitting him down the stretch? So just with that alone, I think he's going to continue to fade. He's, he's, he's on a downward trend already, and unfortunately, being a meth fan, I think it's going to continue downward.
0: Sad, I think, uh, I think you might be right. Um, although he did look decent in his last outing. Let's uh, what, 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 what say you, Nick.
2: So I am going to stay in New York but go to the American League and say Garrett Cole, who I've been fading for a while. I'm going to continue fading. Uh the you know, I, I've I've written about this before and I had an article last a few months ago on rotographs on after the all the spin rate shenanigans and Thing, you know, I'm getting ready to actually write a part two, but things have not changed with Cole. Like obviously you know obviously he was u- like you know, make too many presumptions, but he was using something and it was probably the the uh, more of the Spider Tech variety and his pitches continue to sit you know, continue to say that his, his four seamer is down, you know, since since the owners meeting on June second, which is kind of where I use my unofficial as my unofficial cutoff date. Uh, he started the next day. Uh, four seamer is down 195 uh, rpm. His sliders down 180. His curveballs down 90. Uh, and what is you know he's still getting lots of strike you know he has double digit strikeouts in three of his past four starts. But what really is making me fade Cole is that the home run problem is back, and that was you know pre you know pre Astros Cole you know regular version of Cole when he was a good pitcher but not great, had a home run problem. And that that home run problem has come back uh, you know, and you know, since the the sticky stuff crackdown, like besides his strikeout rate that has dropped five points or his walk rate that has increased four points, uh his ERA beforehand was one point seven eight, his ERA after and the ten starts after is four point six eight. Uh, FIPs are the same, 1.78 FIP beforehand, 4.10 FIP uh, afterwards. And what, like I said, the home run problem, 0.64 home runs per nine uh, pre June second, and 1.81 home runs per nine in the 10 starts since. So I, he's on the Yankees. He'll still get plenty of win opportunities. Uh, you know, even when a strikeout rate down, it's still well over you know it's still almost 32 percent since june 2nd uh but th- i i think that the the era blowups that you know his last start out uh he's you know he's currently out right now covid but his last start he allowed seven earned runs and he's got a couple of those blowups since and i just think that's you're just gonna have to be more careful with them just you're you're gonna start him every time you have to do that uh but in the that AL East meat grinder with a lot of hitter-friendly parks, and he's got a home run problem cropping up, uh, makes me worry a bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's not Chris Archer, but, uh, you know, he's getting... <laughs> Who is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Cole, April 143 ERA, May 218 ERA, June 465, July 471. Uh, ouch. Um, maybe gets a little bit better than that, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't count on an ERA under four. From here on in, although you can probably bank the strikeouts. Uh, I was going to mention Cole, by the way, as my guy, but I will take Hunjin Ryu. Hunjin Ryu, uh, I'm going to give you his hard hit percentage by month. April, it was only 22% given up. May, 24. June, 31. July, 31. August, 35%. So he's jumping and he's giving 50% more hard hit contact from earlier in the season. He does not look entirely right. Um, he does this sometimes in the middle, end of seasons. Um, he might be great for postseason. He's like a gamer. But um, right now, I I, th- I say he's a fade. Again, he's too high up there that you're probably going to have to pitch him, uh, especially he's on a decent team. Uh, will get wins. Does pitch length, usually. But, um, you know, if you can get a more valuable player for him, could be still within the window to trade. Anybody disagree?
1: Nope,
2: I agree. I know I do 100%. not. He's he's hard to mess with right now. He is he, he hasn't been quite right. You know, very very up and down. You can you can pick your spots, but man, he uh, he he has some blow ups in him.
1: Well, if, if if you had a game between Garrett Cole and and, and Ryu, who do you pick? If they're if they're pitching against each other and you have them both on your team, do you pitch both of them, or do you only pitch one and not the other?
2: I would pitch I,
0: Cole. Just I'd probably pitch both. Yeah, yeah. Probably both if you're in a league and you have
1: them. So in other words, even, even though these guys are fading, you're still, unfortunately, you're stuck and you have to play them just because sometimes they have the chance of giving you that quality. So you, can, you, can't, you can't bench them. Dropping them is out of the question, but you can't bench them because, I mean, the quality that you're going to pick up on the waiver wire is not really going to be that much better anyway. So, I mean, they're still better than what you're going to get there.
0: Yeah, In a 12-team yeah. league, maybe. In a 15-team league, no. I mean, in a TGFBI, my top two pitchers are Garrett Cole and Hunjin Ryu, which was looking great. Um, <laughs> and my third pitcher is Kevin Gaussman. That's a heck of a staff. Yeah. I'm obviously doing pretty well. I am I was in first place for a while, but now that those guys bombed a little bit, I'm back in second, but just close to first. Uh, but, yeah, there's not much you can do. I mean, you, well, Cole, you're sitting uh, until he comes out of COVID, but – um, I what are you gonna do? he—that's he, your pitcher. I mean, I guess if for you is playing the Red Sox, maybe you sit him. But most situations, I don't see how how you're not you're not picking up somebody off the waiver wire. I mean, you can throw a middle reliever in instead if you think that the ERA is tight. But uh, I gotta think in most situations it's gonna be a play, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I mean you got Like Cole, obviously you're, you're running him out against anyone. Ryu it's, it, it'll depend on your situation. Like, like you said, if you're kind of team dependent, like if you're really tight on ratios and you're already, you know, like we were talking about, you've evaluated that you really need to You got to protect those ratios. Then yeah, you can be a little more conservative on, on starting Ryu, given the ballparks that he's pitching in. And like, you know, like you said, maybe don't start him against Boston. Uh, but at the same time, you know, three starts ago, he shut out Boston for six innings. Uh, but he also has blowups in July against Baltimore and Seattle. So it's he is he's a, he's a, he's a tricky minx to predict. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about—well, uh, here we go. On to the next section, the waiver wire. Uh, let's talk about somebody who, instead of fading, is somebody we want to pick up that might be on your waiver wire in your league. Whether shallow, deep, uh, I'm going to leave it open for you guys to discuss. Nick, who is somebody that you're looking to pick up this week?
2: So, well, we were talking about shortstops we'd rather have than uh, Francisco Lindor. So, I'm going to go with Miguel Rojas of the uh, Lowly Marlins. He uh, re- really liked them all year, uh, used them quite a bit, and uh, and he broke... Broke or dislocated his fingers uh, a few months ago and really struggled uh, once he came back. Uh, his 20 games following his injury, he batted 222. He had a 252 on base, a 236 Woba. And that is what, like, that's, like, it's kind of expected. Like, I really, uh, I, in my old age, I've gotten more and more cautious with what to, you know, just because someone is coming back from injury does not mean they are healthy enough to play at the same level they were playing at. So I, I've kind of been waiting for like, okay, Miguel Rojas, I know, I know you're good. Let's let us see when you get going. And now he has his, you know, since the All-Star break, 102 plate appearances. He's slashing 312, 363, 484, 15 runs, five stolen bases, a 363 Woba. I know he plays for the Marlins. Uh, guys like that are easy to ignore. But he is an excellent source source of batting average uh, and a good source of runs and is giving you stolen bases, too, and is, you know, widely available right now.
0: Great pick. That's somebody that uh, I picked up on my teams earlier in the season. Uh, Ruben and I, I think, in a couple leagues, we we had him. Obviously, he had the injury. Uh, I'll quickly name another Marlin you should be looking at. How about Lewis Brinson? Twenty percent owned. He's on fire in the month of August. He's batting four thirty-two with four homers and fifteen RBIs. That's in ten games. Yes, a few of those games was in Colorado, but that same production carried over while he was in San Diego. Uh, Marlins are a couple of guys that you might want to pick up uh, in leagues. And Brinson is available in eighty percent of CBS leagues. Ruvane. I'm gonna jump on the
1: Marlins bandwagon Whoa. here. Hey. Um, I was gonna mention Lewis Brinson, but I have another guy, Eliezer Hernandez. He yeah. was a he was a he was a sleeper pick for a lot of people this year. He was on the he's on the IL with a quad injury, but he's made his third rehab start this past week. Five innings, one run, two hits. 10 strikeouts. He is going to be activated, or he should be activated this week. And a lot of people don't know about it because they plays for the Marlins. He's only 20, 27% old in CBS, so he's available widely and and if he's available anywhere and you want to take a guy who can get you a lot of strikeouts, he's a guy he's a perfect guy. Another guy I'm going to mention, you mentioned the Rockies out in Colorado, Sam Hilliard. He's batted 350 with two homers in the last week. If you look at his average, it's only 2.27, but he has eight homers and is actually known for his speed in the minors. He was known for his speed and most projection systems gave him about 10 stolen bases. So far he has zero, so he has that ability. He's only 15% owned in CBS, and you know what? If you need a stolen base guy, he's a perfect guy. One other guy I want to mention, and I can't believe I even have to say this, but Anthony Santander. He's only 50% 50 owned in CBS. I don't understand it. He is as on fire right now as Lewis Brinson. His batting average has gone up 13 points in the last 10 days with three home runs. If he is available in your league, he shouldn't be. Grab him.
0: So funny. I actually offered Santander to somebody in uh, Tout Wars. Glad he said no. Um, i played him every uh, day. That's pretty good. Uh, hey, uh, Nick, we should have had uh, uh, our buddy uh, Pierre Camus on the show with Owen I Marlin. know. I was
2: thinking that yeah. too. I was
0: like, man, Pierre
2: somewhere is so happy right now about all this Marlins talk. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Uh, any
0: anybody else to add, Nick, uh, for waiver wire?
2: Uh, well, I will mention uh, Brandon Belt, who is you know forty five percent owned on Yahoo, twenty two percent owned on ESPN he is he's one of you know i do uh i do a weekly waiver wire piece for point leagues for roto baller and there's a handful of guys that i i just every week i implore people to please get their roster percent over 50 percent. joey vada was that guy for the longest time and finally people woke up to him but belt belt was that guy and then he got injured again and lost some time is 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 uh Roster percent dropped way down. He's back since he came back on August fifth. He has four home runs, six runs scored, seven RBI, a 474 wOBA. Uh, you know the the Giants' offense is crowded, but it is also very good. And he does not like a, a limited. They're 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 not sitting him versus left-handers. Uh, and you know not as much as they have in the past at least. And he only has you know he has uh 200 plate appearances total only 44 of those are against left-handers but he has a 452 woba and three of his 15 home runs are against left-handers like that's that's good enough to keep earning the time and if he's going to play every day batting in the middle of that very good offense there's no reason that he should be that low owned yeah
0: no I agree uh I'll, let me throw in uh abraham toro hernandez he's 55 yeah. percent owned Nine homers, 263 batting average, and only 160 at-bats. They're playing him. The Mariners are a pretty decent team. If you haven't checked yet, uh, check in on Abraham Toro Hernandez. And how about Jack Mayfield, a little bit deeper, less than 10% owned. Now, he's 0 for his last 14. Before that, he was 19 for his previous 64 with seven homers. He qualifies at second, at third, and at short. If you're in a deep league or in a mono league, he's a must-pickup. Um, he's somebody who plays it all, and somebody who can be on a stretch. And uh, uh, I like the Eliezer Hernandez pick. How about uh, Travis Darno? Does anybody know he's back? Um, he could be a top five catcher from here on out. And uh, you know, if you're in a two catcher league, it's a must pickup right there. Uh, I picked him up. Yeah, I picked him up in TAT Wars and in a bunch of other my leagues. Um, he's somebody that Statcast really loves. Travis Darno, he's back uh pitcher preview time to highlight either uh somebody who has a good one start this week a good two start or we're at the time of the year a future two start pitcher let's start with you nick who uh is some pitchers that you might want to pick up this week
2: so i i have a, i have a couple guys that are from the same team largely because they get to play the texas rangers uh who are remarkable you know not very good at all but very very bad against the left handers uh last in the majors with a 284 WOBA, uh, 23.2% strikeout rate against lefties and Seattle plays them this week. So my first guy is Marco Gonzalez, who is not going to run, run to the waiver wire now and, and go get him. He is available in a decent amount of leagues, but he just pitched a, uh, you know, before I came on, on with you guys, you know, he it's pitching up a nine inning one run game against uh these same rangers so he's going to get to run it back and gonzalez very very bad this this year before the all-star break yeah you know, you know hit, hit hit on a lot of wires you know putting up a 588 era 6.11 fip in the first half going one in five like that's not going to endear you too many fantasy players but in his five starts since the All-Star break, he has a 1.67 ERA. So not too shabby, and that includes tonight's game. But also the schedule besides the, the game against Texas, which is obviously very nice. If things stay the same, his next two starts are going to be against Oakland, who has a good offense, but they're, they have the 19th highest WOBA against left-handers. And after that, Kansas City, who has the 25th. High, uh, highest woba against left-handers, so it, it's not just this start. It's this next run of really great opponents for Marco Gonzalez, and then also uh, Tyler Alexander is he gets to start against the Rangers as well. Uh, not nearly the ceiling as Gonzalez, but also he's going to have a second start in the week uh, against the Astros. Which if uh, if you don't ha- you're not in daily moves, uh, i I'd, I'd like to start him against. I'd like to start him against the Rangers, but not so much if I have to start him against the Astros. And then also, uh, finally, Chris Flexen. Uh, He is already, you know, not left-handed, but he's already started twice against Texas this year. He's gone 2-0, 13 innings, only allowed one earned run with 11 strikeouts. So pick on the Rangers. Pick on these bad teams. Uh, That's, you know, going back to self-evaluation. Like, I, I, I check in on who the worst teams are all the time, like, it and really, you know, not just overall, but identify those teams that you can pick on with left-handers or vice versa. And the Rangers, left-handers, that's one of them.
0: Yeah, um, and it's also the Mariners. The Mariners pitch deep into games. Marco Gonzalez yes. gets a lot of wins, flex in, goes deep. Uh, so if you go deep in games, you're going to get a lot of decisions, and that's part of it. By the way, I, you know, just <laughs> – Side point, I was checking the scores of today's game to also see that Gonzalez pitched nine innings today on MLB.com. And you know that if you look at go to game day, and if you go to the Yankees versus White Sox at the Field of Dreams, they actually show in the background the stadium that they're playing is the Field of Dreams. It's kind of cool. Like, hey, Check it out now. If If you're listening to this podcast, uh, ch- check it out now. It's kind of cool. Like, whoa, they actually put the picture of that in.
2: Oh, that is cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Move
1: in, how about yours? <laughs> All right, I got two pitchers. First one is, uh, it's a decent pick. It's uh, David Price. He's only on 45% of CVS, but he's playing against, supposedly, the Pirates and the Mets. Both her offenses are not that great. Now, David Price doesn't strike out that many people as he used to. He only has 10 strikeouts in his last three starts, but he plays for the Dodgers, so he'll get you some wins. And if you liked my pick last week of Carlos Hernandez from the Royals, oh, you'll probably day. like this pick also of Griffin Jacks. He's only owned an 8% in CBS. This is a deeper dive. He's only owned an 8% in CBS leagues. Don't be scared off by his 5.45 ERA. He's given up six runs in his last four starts, or 20 innings. He has a 2.76 ERA in his last three starts, 12 strikeouts in his last 16 innings, including 10 against the White Sox. He's got two starts. He's at Cleveland. He's at home against Cleveland and possibly at the Yankees. I don't love that, but the Yankees strike out a lot. He needs some strikeouts. The Twins have nothing to play for. They're going to see what he has, and they're going to let him pitch. So if you like that Carlos Hernandez pick last week, Griffin Jacks would be the good way to go this week.
0: All right. Uh, here's a couple. Uh, shallow leagues. Logan Webb. He's only yeah. owned in 70% of leagues on CBS. It should be 100 Absolutely. 319 ERA, 116 whip. It is all deserved. There's nothing lucky about it. He's just good. He gets the Mets this week, who have had some offensive woes. And then next week, he's two-starred against the Mets and Atlanta. Uh, Logan Webb should be scooped up if he's somehow available in your league. Maybe in a 10-12 to 12 team mixed league, he could be available. Take a look. Uh go up the ladder here. Huskar Yanoa, um, 3 ERA for the year, 105 whip, 10K per nine, he was hurt. He's coming back. He might actually be to start next week at Miami, at Baltimore. Those are good starts. If he's healthy, those are very, very good. It's a great two-start week. So Huskar, you um I don't know if they, he'll last enough to get the win, but those are bad teams that he's playing, so I would gamble. And how about only owned in 10%, Taylor Wiener. Now, we talked about Cole having, like, a high four ZRA lately, but a lot of strikeouts. Well, he, he, Taylor Wiener has 50 strikeouts in 46 innings this year, ERA of 489. Uh, he is a future two-star pitcher. He, the next week, he's scheduled to pitch at Pittsburgh and at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, not fantastic, although they do strike out, and Pittsburgh is a fantastic start. So, uh, again, it's not for everybody, but if you're in a situation where the strikeouts can help, gamble on a win here with two start, and the ERA doesn't bother you all that much, Wiener is a guy
1: to take a gamble on, I think, in the right situation. Quick thing about Taylor Wiener, he did not report to the stadium today because he had cold symptoms, so it's a, po- it's a possibility that he may, have, uh, he may be in mm. COVID protocol, so just be aware of that and keep, keep your eyes on that.
0: All righty. Uh, now time for the injury update, and Ruvane uh, tells me he
1: has some breaking news. W- what is this all about? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to get to the breaking news in a minute. First, we'll start with Mookie Betts. He was placed on the I.O. with right hip pain. He's scheduled to undergo further testing to know the full extent of his injury, so we don't know exactly how long he's going to be out for. AJ Pollock may see a bigger role in the outfield there for the time being. Wilson Contreras was placed on the IL with a right knee strain. Um, the manager right now said that it's not that serious, so we'll see how that is, but Robinson Chirinos is in line to get more playing time, and Austin Romine was actually activated off of the IL when he was put on, so it's someone to take a look at. Nico Goodrum and Akil Badu, no, sorry, Nico Goodrum is on the IL with left groin strain. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. Akil Badu, his teammate, as well as Ryan Moncastle, both are in concussion protocol. We do not know how long they're going to be out, so that's something to watch for. Gleyber Torres, he's on the IL with a sprained left thumb. He injured it sliding into second base this past Sunday. Um, He's expected to be sidelined for at least 10 days to three weeks. So Tyler Wade will fill in, and Gleyber is another guy who's been underperforming this year, just his value just takes another hit. Carlos Rodon, we we're talking about the White Sox earlier. He's on the IL with left shoulder fatigue. The White Sox manager Tony La Russa said he's not overly optimistic that Rodon will be ready to return when first eligible. So that's something to watch for. Um, our oldest Chapman, he's on the IL with left elbow inflammation. We don't know really how bad it is, but this is the time if you, if they're still available somehow. Chad Green, Zach Britton, they can be in line to get some save opportunities for the Yankees. And the breaking news that you referred to, Jacob Degrom, he's on the IL with forearm tightness. From a source that I that I know personally, actually, they saw him on an airplane flying from LA to New York. Don't know why. Don't know the exact extent of why he was going there, why he's coming back. Maybe to go over some MRI results or to see another specialist, whatever it may be. And he actually told this source of mine that he plans on pitching in September. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll have to wait for the Mets to make an announcement, but that's what I heard.
0: All right, so that's an inside scoop there. And, of course, Ruben is only going to report what he knows, which is what he told you. But, Nick, you and I can also just guess at to what, what the heck was Jacob DeGrom doing in Los Angeles— and, of course, he's just going to tell everybody, oh, yeah, I hope to pitch. So uh, that, that's just meaningless information. Um, what do but, you think? But you, he,
1: never, you never know. You never know when they're actually telling the truth when they're not. So they, they could be saying that. I mean, DeGrom's been saying that all along that he wants to come back in September. So he's not deviating from what he's saying.
0: Well, he wants to come back, but I don't think he's uh, going to tell the guys on the plane that uh, I got a second opinion there and they said that you probably aren't going to pitch. He's not going to say that, right?
1: no because of HIPAA reasons he's not going to do that of no. course not. <laughs> <laughs> no. so
0: nick what what are your thoughts that's the information that's the breaking news which is a scoop nobody else
2: knows this obviously that's a, it's this? a great scoop and yeah you know you don't want to presume anything but yeah i'm i mean i'm sure he did say that he hope i'm sure he does hope to pitch in september like uh that that doesn't that that can be true like it's just a hope but I don't think there's a lot of reasons besides some sort of uh, something to do with his injury for him to just uh, take a flight from New York to L.A. So, I, I mean, it's it's not like Jacob DeGround decided to have just a, you know, hit the West Coast for a quick little vacation uh, while he is rehabbing. So I, I, I think it's plain that he, he, he went out there for something some sort of either a a second opinion or third opinion or something which uh it doesn't exactly inspire a lot of hope in me uh that it's it's an urgent enough thing that it needs to be that big of a trip for him to like you know this isn't a this isn't a checkup that can wait this is something i need to get done right now so no, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's great news. I, I, I hope it's just nothing because I just like seeing Jacob DeGrom pitch, so we'll see.
1: But what else, so something, else, something else that's also interesting is that the Mets are actually flying out to L.A. this coming week to play them. So he went on his own and didn't oh, travel with the team, yeah. so, which is also a little bit interesting to think about.
0: Well, I mean, obviously he went to some medical professional and he came back to New York. So he obviously, you know, that was a separate trip. But you're the you're the medical professional, Ruvain. How does how does it work with with this? You he obviously got an opinion in New York. He probably got his MRI done in New York, and then the results were shipped off to the doctor in LA. Like, can you just tell us? Uh, uh, obviously, you don't know exactly this situation, but can you tell us what happens in general with you know second and third opinions with with people who have uh, uh, this kind of interest?
1: Yeah. Well, we actually spoke about this with Stefania Bella in the beginning of the season that it's it's due diligence for the player to get a second opinion no matter what, whether it's good or whether it's bad, to get a second opinion to make sure that they're not going to do any more harm. If two doctors say the exact same thing and say you can go ahead and pitch, then he's going to go ahead and pitch. He may not want to hear it just from one doctor. He wants to assure himself that he hears it from two doctors and that nothing's going on. You also have to remember that Jacob deGrom's MRI in the past, from what they told us, was clean. It didn't really show that much. So maybe he's getting another specialist just to put another pair of eyes on it just to make sure that there is nothing going on, there and then he gets the green light to go because remember it's not just this year for him he is a person he has a career if he injures himself and god forbid he gets worse his career may be over because he's already had tommy john surgery he pitches 99 miles an hour almost every pitch 100 miles an hour that's a lot of stress on that elbow the elbow's not used to that that's not a normal thing for a normal person to do and the fact that he already had tommy john he's feeling these aches and pains he had minor injuries the whole season he, there's no reason why he shouldn't go to for a second opinion. And if you're a Mets fan or you're a fantasy fan, you would be upset if he didn't go for a second opinion because going to one doctor, closing ears, and saying, yes, that's that's correct, that's not the way to go.
0: Okay, so you're basically saying that it might be okay uh, because the original MRI showed no structural damage, so this could be just the confirmation. It's not, uh-oh, needs a second opinion, forearms straight. It's not, it doesn't have to be that is what you're saying. No,
1: most most teams will send their prize player or any player or prospect, anything like that, okay. for a second opinion just to be sure because one person, one doctor is great, but you get a second opinion, and if they say the exact same thing independent from the first doctor, then it's just confirmation of that diagnosis.
0: Right. And he has to go out to L.A. to do that. I mean, it, it, can't they give him a, a, a diagnosis over the phone after reading his yes, MRI? Yes, yes,
1: you can. And I do that for patients all the time. However, if the doctor also wanted to do a physical exam, it's hard to do that over Zoom. Yes. So, uh, yes, usually you usually have to go in person. They want to get the exam also just to confirm everything else.
0: So, Nick, what are you doing with him in fantasy? Obviously, if you have an IL, you know, you're going to put him on there. But what if, uh, let's say you have, I don't know, one IL slot, and there's other guys who are more pressing. Or what if you're in the NFBC and you have no IL slots? Is this, at this point, a cut for you? I mean, in in twelve team 10-to-12-team leagues, redraft with no IL, I think it's a cut right now because you can use that roster better if you're in— Eighteen team leagues, mono leagues. I guess you can't. There's some gray area of fifteen team where I'm not sure. It depends on how healthy your team is. Is that what you would, how you would play it with Degrom?
2: In those shallow leagues with no IL, like if you're in a crunch, then I mean, yeah, it could be. I think it's reasonable in some circumstances, just because. You know, I, I personally like, it, you know, especially with getting this breaking news from Ruvane. I, you know, I, I'd personally want to hold off a little bit just because, uh, just the thought of cutting Jacob Degrom Royals my stomach. But you know, we're getting down to that time where if if you know, if you don't think that a full month of September is in the cards of him pitching, like getting those you know five six starts in September, and you think it might just be three starts and it's not, and you're going to have to wait a month for those three starts, then yeah. And in a lot of leagues you got with no IL. Yeah. You can think about, you can think about cutting them loose depending on what your other options are. Uh, But yeah, that's, I mean, we're getting down to that, you know, coming back in September is one thing, you know, letting him sit around for these next, you know, less than three weeks and then getting a month. That's, that's one thing, but sitting around for a month, and then only getting two or three weeks like that's that that's hard that's hard to uh that's hard to stomach if you're if your team is in a roster crunch where you really need that spot
0: over under one and a half wins rest of season jacob degrom
1: because over. it's the Mets under i'm taking the over <laughs> under I, I'm, <laughs> taking I'm taking the, the over under. on that. Oh. I, I think I think he will come back. I think they're gonna they're gonna. I think I this remember this is not negative news. This is just news. Take it wherever drive, where you yeah. want. Yeah. I I I think that it it could be positive news, and I would hold on to him at least until next week because the Mets are supposed to make some sort of announcement. I think in the, in the next couple of days they said they were gonna get some a second an opinion. I would not cut him. It it's this is this is like um, I. He's one of your top picks. You're not gonna, if you held on for for this long, there's no reason to cut him this week. Put it that way.
0: So um, certainly we'll find out in a few days what the actual news is here, and we can interpret that going forward. But um, even if he comes back, let's say he comes back, I don't know, September 9th, um, his first start, he's not pitching more than three innings, right? He's going to pitch 50, 70 pitches max. He's not going go to go the first two starts more than five innings. So there's no win there. And, you know, it's the Mets. They don't score for him anyways. So I don't think he gets more than one win the rest of the season. I would go under on that.
1: Well, the thing is with pitchers now, when they're coming back from injury, and I read this in my article for Roto Bowler almost every week now, if they're coming, if they're a pitcher coming back, usually they'd be sent on the rehab uh, start. Now, a, or a rehab assignment, they get a couple of starts. At this point in the season, for a starting pitcher – I don't think they're going to get that many rehab starts. Why not rehab no. him in the, in the majors? Yeah, Have him will. go they like will. one or two and then bring him up. Let him pitch two, three innings. Yeah, and, and have him be an opener. There's no problem with that. I mean, the Mets are using an opener anyway every fifth day with, with Rich Hill. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. Are you yeah. going to get more innings out of Rich Hill or they, Jacob DeGrom? Even, and then put it this way. Even when DeGrom was pitching, he was going seven innings, seven innings, five innings, getting hurt, five innings, seven innings, seven innings. So you never know what you're going to get from him. But I think he, in my opinion— I'm not saying this is good news or bad news. I think he will come back, and I think the over is more than one and a half wins.
0: Okay, I mean, like the the Mets will have Williams, right? And and what they'll do is they'll pitch the Grum the first two three innings, and they'll have Williams follow. I mean, they'll, they'll they'll just do that. Um, I don't think he's gonna get wins. Whether he's gonna get a lot of strikeouts, I don't know. He can strike out the the first nine batters of the game, for all you know. <laughs> but uh, he he, I don't think he's gonna get a, a, more than a win. I I just can't see it. And you're right, no, no rehab. He's just going to go straight in the majors, for sure. Uh, well, Whatever he pitches is going to be better than anybody else uh, they have in that spot for the two innings. So you might as well just rehab him here. There's no reason no reason otherwise. Right. All righty. Well, that's the end of our show. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, some good injury stuff, some good self-evaluation stuff, some faders, uh, good waiver wire picks. Nick, this has been a great show, and thank you so much for being a part of it. Uh, thank you for joining the Beat the Shift podcast
2: this week, and uh, really appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I am a a fan of the show, a fan of you guys' work, as you know. So getting to be on and talk with you about all these things, it's been a lot of uh, been a blast. Uh, it's our pleasure. And uh, before you go, why don't you uh, tell everybody where we can
0: read your stuff, where we can follow you, and all things uh, Nicholas got.
2: So you can find me uh, at Rotographs, uh, where I put out usually a piece a week or so, and also at Rotoballer.com, where I have I have weekly waiver wire and starting pitching uh, streaming picks every every weekend, and whatever you know just kind of pops into my mind they they let me write about. And then you can find me on Twitter at at not Burt Reynolds. It's N T underscore Burt Reynolds, but uh, good authority that if you just type in not Burt Reynolds, that I will pop up. So, is
0: is that from Saturday Night Live?
2: No, no it, it it is from uh, from me when I was young and dumb and told that I I I played video games for a few years and. Uh, Friend was showing me how to sign him and said, You need to come up with a a username. And the first thing that popped in my head was not Burt Reynolds, and it made me laugh. And not very many things uh, make me laugh more than a few times. So decided to stick with it.
0: There you go. I always, uh, that that, that Jeopardy sketch on uh, Saturday Night Live uh, was always one of my favorites ever. And uh, how apropos, or I mean, sadly, um, Alex Trebek died the same week as Sean Connery. That just. Crazy.
2: They went wow. out together just as they were yeah. in life. One, one, one of the great all time running sketches on Saturday Night Live.
0: Yeah, Alex. Yes. Trip back. Trip back. All right, <laughs> Rubin,
1: uh, tell us about your stuff. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out injury updates, who's next up, how long the player is going to be out, based on my medical opinion. I guess starting tonight, breaking news also. Um, and also I have a weekly RotoBowler article that comes out every Saturday, detailing these injuries and much more.
0: Well, you can also find my stuff on at RotoBowler and at RotoGraphs as well. You can follow me on Twitter at ATCNY, and of course, you can listen to me to the Beat the Shift podcast. Right here, once again, thank you so much, uh, Nicholas, Gott for coming on the show. Uh, We'll—I'm uh, on vacation next week, so uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks here. Uh, so uh, till then, see ya.
1: Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.